Hello, everyone, and welcome to High Performance Pathways, sponsored by the NoCast app. And if you enjoy this podcast, explore more about me and the work that I do to serve others at courtwhitman.com. For all new listeners out there, because I know there's a few of you checking in with us today, High Performance Pathways is a purpose-built and specially selected collection of someone's experience as they discuss how they understand, discover, and chase high performance in their life. This content is collected during a one-on-one interview, and then we share it out with you, the listener. Why? Because I believe everyone has a different path to high performance, and hearing about the path that other professionals have journeyed along is informative and, good gracious, man, it's inspiring. It fires me up. So, during each episode of High Performance Pathways, it's my intent to do five things for you as the listener. Number one, connect. I'm going to connect you to someone else, my guest, so that you can take initiative and reach out to that guest and build your professional relationships. Number two, I'm going to ask questions so that together we can understand. Number three, I'm going to share to raise perspectives. Number four, I'm going to teach to increase competence. And number five, I'm going to inspire to trigger your growth as a listener. Now look, one additional note to cover as you continue listening. And if you've been a listener for a while on this podcast, you know it's raw, meaning there's no post-production editing. We record live. And we deliver it to you exactly as it was recorded. Now, I'm stoked about my guest today. His name is Zach Hughes. And I got to tell you, from the jump, he's a brother of mine because we share a very similar professional path as U.S. Army Special Forces Green Berets. So let me jump into Zach's bio here for a minute, and then we'll get cracking with some questions. Zach is a Chief Operating Officer at Elite Meet. Elite Meet is a 501c3 nonprofit talent collective that exclusively represents Green Berets, Navy SEALs, fighter pilots, and other elite veterans from all walks of service. Zach is also a partner at Operators Association. And Operators Association is a mentorship platform for all aspiring special operators out there. Now, prior to service with Elite Meet and Operators Association, Zach was, like I talked about already, a U.S. Army Green Beret. Zach is also a graduate of the University of North Texas. He earned a master's degree from Texas State University, and he is an MBA candidate at Southern Methodist University at this moment in time. Zach, hey man, I'm thrilled to have you here. Stoked to feature you today on this episode, and just really excited that you're taking the time to check in with us, to share some insight about your Army experience, what it was like to kind of walk through, you know, that path as a Green Beret. Um, and really your post-military work, and in my opinion, your life journey chasing high performance. So thanks for being with us, brother. Court, yeah, pleasure to be here, man. I'm super fired up to be on the show. I love what you're doing, Uh, and to be honest with you, it's just super exciting to be on here. I'm glad to play. Yeah, yeah, thanks, man. It's purpose-built, specially selected. There was absolutely nobody else we want to have with us today together on this show, Um, and as we get rolling, um, I, I really like to start up front with just my framework here to build a little bit of intimacy with you and the audience. And so I'd like to go back here a little bit in time um, to really get some insight to the young Zach Hughes, man. And, and, and that's impact on kind of your development here as an adult. So would you mind sharing with us some earliest memories of, of childhood? And specifically, what role models do you remember from that time? What mentors maybe did you pursue or just accidentally came to you? And really, was there anyone you aspired to imitate when you think about that time of life? Yeah, I think it's an interesting question. So I, for me, for context, I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas, 
went to elementary school, middle school, and high school, the same school that my mom went to. Um, even though Fort Worth is a bigger city, you know, we just happened to live in a small community. And growing up, I had really three impactful males in my life besides my father uh, were my two family members that were really close to me. And my grandfather was number one. He was a United States Army veteran that served in World War II. And one of my uncles, well, actually both of my uncles, but one I was closer with, both of them served in the United States Army during Vietnam. So I had a grandfather who was in World War II in the Army and two Vietnam uncles that were in the Army as well. When I grew up, these guys were sort of my heroes. Uh, they kind of, they left, served our country at the highest level, came back. And more importantly than that, when they came back, they were open about their situations and very positive about serving their country and doing the things that they did. I think that sometimes we get wrapped up about thinking that older veterans from World War II or even Vietnam come back a little salty and a little negative. And my experience with that was the exact opposite. They came back with elaborate stories detailing how they were super excited to be able to serve our country at the highest level to do some of the things that they did. And they made it um, really patriotic to be able to go and do and be through some of these situations that they went through. And so for me, that was my childhood. I grew up idolizing these men. So I always knew that even at an early age, I mean, but before I was 10, 10 years old, I knew I wanted to be a soldier. It was something that I definitely wanted to do. And being in the army was sort of the path for me. Now it took me some time and I had to do some research and, and some other things first to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. But those two men shaped my childhood. That's one of the earliest memories that I have from either of those gentlemen is their stories and more importantly, the positive nature of their experiences to portray to a younger me that was really idolizing them. Yeah, man. Phenomenal. A lot of stuff that, I, that I'm learning from you in the first time in this conversation, that, but I see incredible alignment um, and kind of just what it was that maybe you drew that inspiration from. And so in this moment, I just want to, I want to shout out, man, uh, you know, to the grandfathers, to the uncles, the aunts, the family unit that extends beyond the four walls of the home that you grow up in, because guess what? You make an impact on our lives. And so, so thank you in this moment. Thank you to, I mean, what is it? Grandpa who brother? And is he still living? He's not. Neither, neither of them are living actually anymore. Um, okay. Grandfather Walter Hughes and then uncle, Daniel Hughes. Okay, boss. Um, God bless them, man. Um, but, you know, shout out to that specifically. And, and a challenge I think I'll drop in this moment, which is if you are, you know, an uncle, an aunt, a, a cousin, uh, you know, tell, tell stories yeah. to your family, man. Right? And if, and if you're not, and you're the young kid, uh, and, and you're wanting to connect and learn about this incredible person that's part of your family unit, hey, ask questions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the burden goes uh, on both uh, of that responsibly because guess what? You'll never know what you can learn or how you can inspire somebody else. In this case, my man, Zach. Hey, man. Yeah, I think, I think that, that just I want to add into that a little bit, Court. I think that, you know, being in World War Two, being in Vietnam, that's sort of a sexy experience that you can talk about. That's very impactful. But I want to take away from this is that young people are impressionable no matter what it is. If you're a healthcare worker right now, that's beautiful and that's inspiring. If you're telling young people about that right now, they're going to remember that. They are 100% going to remember that because of the trying time that our economy's in. So anytime that you're basically taking what you do, giving it a positive spin, talking about it professionally and and, and inspiring our youth, I think that's very valuable in any industry that we're doing in any profession. Hey, man. Love it. Absolutely. Amen. Mike drop. Hey, I want to continue here, brother, uh, intentionally. You, you, you introduced a little bit about because of them, 
they kind of inspired you to do, go into the army. But I still want to ask the question kind of in isolation. When you think about a moment, was there a moment for you other than just wanting to always be a soldier that said, hey, look, I'm running towards the army that you can recall in this moment? So there, there was a few. I think that, um, you know, habitually as a child, I sort of had this vision of being a soldier and I always played soldier because of those two men and their influence in my, in my childhood. After that, the one defining moment, if I was to place a finger on a specific time period, it would be September 11th, 2001, when I was in 10th grade in my homeroom class. That was the moment that the towers went down and really everything changed, as we both know. So for me, I'll, I'll, that moment is very crystal clear as the moment where it was like, okay, now I have to go join the military. I have to go join the army. And, you know, as you remember, and, and all of us remember, if you were of military age serving, all of my friends wanted to jump into the military that moment. Growing up in, in Texas, you know, it was just sort of part of our community and our culture. Most of the people that I knew, they wanted to go into the military immediately. Now, to varying degrees of success on that. But at the moment, in 10th grade, when 9-11 happened, I could think of nothing better to do than immediately leave to go to serve the country. Absolutely, man. Hey, God bless Texas, brother. Right? There's some incredible, I mean, seriously, man, there's some great Americans that roll out of that incredible state, man. And well, what a patriotic place. Um, thank you for sharing that. And, uh, you know, what's just resonating with me in this moment is number one, hey, man, I too have a September 11th experience. I happen to already be in the Army with the 82nd Airborne Division. I was actually eating breakfast with my platoon at that moment, but that significantly changed my trajectory because I was walking down a road to become an Army surgeon. And that moment I said, hey, man, how can I run towards a fight? And I made a decision to the only way to do that while already in the Army is to assess the Special Forces. So that's what kind of, it, so it changed my life in a way that it changed yours. So that's one point I wanted to make based upon your comments. The second thing I wanted to bring up is there are sometimes folks, and there's folks listening to this show today that don't remember September 11th. Brother, yeah, we're sure. old, man. But yeah, guess what sure. they will remember? They're probably going to remember the day school was shut down for COVID-19. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and so, and I guarantee that there's people that will be doctors in 10, 20 years because of this moment in time. Oh, so, I completely agree with that, Court. I think that's spot on. I was thinking about that actually yesterday morning. Um, you know, big defining moments in our life, there's a wave of recruitment. It doesn't matter what you're doing. 9-11, military recruitment. Impactful movies, military recruitment. Impactful oh, movies yeah. about different, different professions, recruitment. I think right now we've got a... a individuals in middle school, elementary school, and high school that are looking up to healthcare professionals as heroes because they should, number one, we're putting them in grave danger. They're literally saving our country. So I 100% see a rebound effect of this is the positive light for the healthcare industry top to bottom as they deserve. Yeah, absolutely. And so in this moment, you know, just allow yourself to be inspired um, as you walk through life because it's a journey and it's probably going to happen multiple times. Hey man, let's talk about specifically your decision um, to, to become a Green Beret in the Army, the, the elite operator community. Because I know a little bit about this, did you go through what we call the 18 X-ray program, which is, you know, I, 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 I go to a recruiting office and I can take a path that takes me direct to Special Forces. So if you're listening right there and you're wondering how to get there, there's a path. Or, or were you already in, was an infantryman or some other field and then went to become a Green Beret? Could you comment on that for a moment, Seth? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So I... Um you know, we, we talked about how I left high school. I was super motivated to join the military. Um, and I kind of fell into this path where I was dragging my feet. I had some resistance from my mother as patriotic and as Southern as Texas is. My mom still didn't want to let her little boy go join the army. 
So it took me a little, a little bit of friction to be able to make that happen. So I went to college, went to grad school, and then I decided that, okay, you know what, I've, I've dragged my fate too long. I've got this, this itch in the back of my shoulder that I can't scratch enough. I've got to go do this because this is what I'm destined for. So for me, the decision point was, I'm joining the army. What should I do? And so I dove into the research. Uh, now, we didn't have as much social media back then as we do now um, and access to information. But I looked into the difference between the Rangers and the Green Berets. And after doing some research and understanding sort of my talents and where, where I lie as just a leader with skills, um, I think the Green Beret pipeline was almost chosen for me. So that's the one I pursued. And I absolutely did the 18 X-ray pathway. So essentially to, to sort of open that up a little bit, they, you go into a recruiting station, you get a piece of paper and then you sign it that says, I'm a special forces recruit. You're gonna become a Green Beret as long as you pass everything. You don't get injured, you don't fail anything and they don't kick you out. You're sort of in, you've got the pipeline predetermined as long as you don't fail or something happens or get injured, which, which is common. Um, and that's a hundred percent the path that I went through. Hey man, sh- shout out to you, uh, your commitment and any other x-ray uh, that's, and, and I'm saying x-ray specifically, if you're not an army person, you don't understand it. It's, it's acronym craziness. It's how we develop what we call our military occupational specialties. And it just means X, like seriously, like write an X. That's, that's what he did. Um, I still remember a guy that came onto my team named John Russ, uh, an incredible young man, super bright college graduate, and decided to make that commitment um, just like you did to come in and serve when he probably could have done other things with his life, no doubt but that's all he wanted to do. So thank you for sharing that. Any memories? Uh, I love to hear about memories, right? I don't need you to tell war stories, although you can if you want, but just curious, you know, again, for the listener to paint a picture that's colorful and vivid, what do you remember most about your time in service? Um, I remember hard work. I remember the, the gratifying moments in my life where I put an incredible amount of work into something hard work, lots of hours, overworking everybody around me. And then it worked out in the end. Either I graduated or, you know, our combat deployment was good or the mission was successful or my presentation was on par or some of the work that I did was recognized by other individuals or things worked out perfectly for me because of the fact that I worked really hard. When we graduated the Q course, I was our valedictorian, the honor grad for the Echoes. And I had no idea until the night before. And I had this paranoia throughout the entire course that I was going to be failing at any point, at any given point. And because of that, I outworked everyone. So to be clear, sort of the the thing that the military gave me that I'll continue to keep in perpetuity is the fact that if you work really hard for something and you outwork everyone around you, good things will come. And I really didn't have that before. Yeah, I went to college. Yeah, I went to grad school. um, But those are something that you can kind of fall through and just make happen. Being a special forces Green Beret, as you know, that's, you don't just stumble into that. It's very deliberate. There's a lot of work that goes into it. So one thing that I was, I'm very grateful to have been receiving from the military is the understanding that if you work really hard and just oversell on something, it's going to work out. Love it, man. Hard freaking work. There's a way to get it done when you think, think about kind of those memories you come from um, and you take away from your time in service. Hey, a couple things I just want to marinate on a minute you know, for, for just clarity's sake based on Zach's comments. When he said Q course, Q course means qualification course, right? It's a lengthy process where you learn language and skill set and fighter skills and how to be a commando. And he also said as an echo. 
And again, going back to these acronyms, an ECHO is, is an E, right? We just call it ECHO, and that means his military occupation specialty as a Special Forces Commando was a highly trained subject matter expert in communications. So just some clarity there. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for sharing it. Um, hey, man, I know you give a lot of advice through my loose association and knowledge of Operators Association, but people tune into this show to get advice. So in this moment, as you reflect back on your experience becoming a Green Beret, could you share maybe one, two, or three just pieces of advice to offer in this moment for someone who wants to become a U.S. Army Green Beret? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that my biggest piece of advice for someone that wants to become a Green Beret, it, it kind of, it's boundless. It'll travel into different industries and different verticals as well. I think that, um, you know, one thing that I see time and time again that sort of cripples individuals in their dreams or their aspirations to become a Green Beret is the longevity of the process. As humans, we can do small, short, very intense, very time-specific iterations and training evolutions and tests and extreme time periods in our life like deployments or combat missions that are insane. But over long periods of time, we start to break down. It, I've seen it happen time and time again. And for the Q course, for the qualification course, to become a Green Beret, it took me two years and four months from the day that I left my hometown and joined the Army to the day that I graduated, earned my Green Beret, got my Special Forces tab. Two years and four months. I didn't recycle anything, which means I didn't fail anything. Um, and I just, that's just sort of how it worked out for me. I went as fast as humanly possible for the time period that I was in. That's a really long time. And yeah. anything that you're doing that's intense for a really long time um, starts to wear on people. And what I noticed from the people that I started with to the people that I finished with, the individuals that were successful in this journey are the individuals that can maintain through the highs and the lows and sort of weather through this long distance storm. So it becomes a mental approach. If you understand this is going to be really long and I've got to break this thing down into certain sections and certain pieces and, and navigate through them with all of the intensity that I have in my body at one phase at a time, you'll be successful. There's going to be highs. You're going to be super excited about things. There's going to be way more lows because it's going to be miserable. But if you can weather through that, the adversity of having time not on your side, then you'll be successful. And that's the number one tip I have for really anything that's tough because it was clear to me that that's what happened in the special forces course. I didn't know it at the time, but it's very clear to me now is that people break down over time. If you can understand that, if you can attack that, and if you can have the mental acumen to understand that's what's going on, it'd be 10 X above anybody else doing anything. Hey man, love it, man. Well said, let me just brief back what I hear from you when you talk about advice that, you know, and my question was for someone aspiring to be a green beret and you, broke that open and said, hey, man, Court, let me, let, me, let me take this just for someone aspiring to do anything that they may have a dream or a goal to. And so I love that. And so I heard two things, man. Number one, I heard this idea of commit to the journey. You didn't use the word journey, but that's what I'm hearing, right? And your journey was two years. Guess what? So was mine. So commit to the journey if you have a goal in mind, because sometimes that's what it's going to take. And the second thing I heard was this idea of activate mental toughness. And I don't know that you use those words specifically, but that's what I heard and what you're saying. And when people talk about mental toughness all the time, and in a way that I thought that it was so beautifully related to me, even this morning when I had a call, and it's just stuck with me, is that point in which you're experiencing personal discomfort, that's when you gotta, you got to turn it on. And that's different for everyone. That may show up in a relationship with someone you care deeply about. 
from a family member, maybe a spouse, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, there's personal discomfort. Well, how can you move through that mentally and make decisions? And that also applies when you're cold and you're wet and you're running around in the woods when you're trying to be a commando. So, Zach, thanks so much for that and allowing me to kind of marinate on it a little bit, given your feedback. All right, brother, let's, let's continue here with uh, kind of go beyond your time in the Army, and I want to talk a bit about transition. Why? Selfishly. Because I service a tons of folks that are in transition. That's what I do as a high-performance coach, as a leadership coach, as a transition coach. Pick whatever adjective you want and how I'm branding the work that I do, but I serve a lot of folks that are dealing with transition moments in their life and how to get through that at a high level. So, you know, as I understand it, boss, um, you've continued to support veterans, elite veterans, as the COO at Elite Meet. And I do want to talk about that organization specifically in a moment. But before I do, you know, I'm just really curious how you managed your transition out of the military. And if you wouldn't mind sharing for us, if you had any challenges in that moment in transition, you know, what were they, man? Um, and how did you move through them? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, to be honest with you, I sort of see transitions as something that's fluid and happens to anyone and everyone all the time. We're always transitioning from something. We transitioned into the COVID-19 crisis. We will transition at some point out. You transition from your jobs. You move houses. You leave college. You get a new girlfriend. You switch jobs. You change your mental focus. Your, your children go from elementary school to middle school to high school to college. That's a massive change in your life. Things are always changing. It's constant. And so it's clear that if you master changing in transitions, you're going to be a step ahead. And this is something that I've just figured out in the last few years since I transitioned out of the military, which was the hardest transition that I've ever done. Going from high school to college is a transition, but it's, it's, the stakes are way less, let's be clear. So um, I had quite a, quite a few challenges initially. Uh, a little bit of background about me, just, just for clarity and context. I, I was in the Army. I was a Green Beret at 7th Group. Um, we were in Afghanistan. I was injured and then ultimately medically retired. Uh, they basically said, all right, Zach, you're kind of done here um, unless you want to sit at this desk for 20 years. So I'm out. Um, I'll take your recommendation and I'll go join the corporate America. So I was very fortunate because I had a number of surgeries uh, due to my, to my incident that I knew I was going to be in the army for about a year doing surgery after surgery and rehab before they could let me go. So I had some time that I knew they'd already told me I got to get out. So what I had that most people don't is about a buffer of around a year, knowing that Zach, you will be a civilian at the end of this year. It's 100% clear. It's not like on the fence where you've got to think about it. It's a done deal. So what I did is I took advantage of that year to get my ducks in a row and to be the best version of a transitioning Green Berets that could. And it was not easy at first. I had no idea how to do that. Much like professional athletes or anyone else that, that that's in something very strategically for a long time or very focused, if you're a transitioning special operator, you, you have an identity crisis when you pivot to the community of civilian work. It's just no doubt about it. You're in a bubble and you're very sheltered from the rest of the world because you're only talking to special operators. You're only dealing with missions. You're only dealing with the military. You're only, your whole world is focused on one avenue specifically. And the reality is there's a ton of things going on in the world globally that you're just not really tracking and not really understanding. So that was the, the first initial hurdle that I had to overcome was just widening my aperture and understanding that there's a million things going on besides my little bubble of my world. Um, and so I, I did sort of the things that you do. I reached out, I Googled, what should you do? You should reach out to nonprofits. You should reach out to LinkedIn. 
Um, you know, I, I'm a product of my environment. So for years, I didn't have social media at all. Zero. Um, and I, I was very clear to my girlfriend's friends, like, don't take pictures of me. You know, back, back in the early 2000s, back in the early 2010s, you know, social media was a different world than it is right now. It's way different, especially on the operator level. Um, and so when I'm transitioning out, now that I'm going into business, well, it's the exact opposite. Social media was where a ton of business gets done. So I had to completely change my mental aspect on that version of life. Whereas opposed, I didn't even have an Instagram, didn't have a social media at all. I actually downloaded Instagram in May of last year. So it's been almost a year, I guess, since I've been on social media. Um, I had to completely pivot from my mindset of understanding something in a different way. And so that was the first hurdle for me. I think the second hurdle for me was what am I going to do professionally? And that started to come along as my social media expanded, to be honest. All right, man. I love it. Thank you for the reflection. And, and I think it's really powerful here. There's no way I can capture everything that you just shared, but I do want to make an attempt at highlighting three themes that I heard from you when you talk about the challenges that you faced. And I also think there's some advice in here for folks in transition, whether you intended to do that or not, um, as you shared your own story, because not only did you say what you were challenged by, but you kind of gave some insight to how you worked through that. So number one, as you talk about your transition challenges, time, right? You, you said, hey, look, I have time. And guess what? Everyone has some amount of time. Now, if you're, if you're Earl Thomas and you're playing safety for a, a team and you blow out your ACL and your career's over, you don't have as much time as Zach did in this moment to transition out of a, a, that pro sport in this instance into corporate America. But if you have time, be deliberate. I think it's what I'm hearing from Zach. Number two, explore your identity. And I just want to kind of rubber stamp this because for so, so much of my adult life, when someone said, hey, Court, tell me about yourself, my answer was, I'm an athlete because I played college football. And then in the Army, it was, I'm a soldier. And then it became, once I became a special forces guy, hey, I'm a special forces Green Beret. And then when I wrapped that up, I, I had to figure out what is my identity? And my call out in this moment is, and I don't know how Zach, Zach solved for that, but it's a return to core values because that's who the heck you are. And that's where identity comes from. And when you can identify what those things are, you can find incredible value alignment and in what you do next in corporate America or whatever that next season of life is for you. And I'd encourage you to do that because we're talking culture, we're talking tribe, we're talking team room, we're talking locker room. And if any of that resonates with you, you know what I'm talking about. Number three, according to Zach, he said network. And I tell you what, man, tons of folks are scared of networking coming out of the army because I think that it's a negative connotation. I love what you said. I want to repeat it here. It's how business gets done. Mic drop. So network. All right, man. Anything else, brother, in this moment that you would consider um, from a device place for folks in transition that maybe just me briefing you back on what you shared might have triggered a different thought or comment you wanted to add? Yeah, absolutely. So when I started transitioning, um, you know, let me back up. When I joined the military, when I decided that I'm going to go be a Green Beret and all you guys that don't think I'm going to do it can shut up because I'm going to go do it. I made a deliberate choice to train really hard, to stay really focused, to complete this transaction of, of learning and, and growing that I started. And I was very passionate about it. It was easy for me to wake up at 4.30 in the morning and go for five mile runs and rocks and hit the gym and eat healthy and, and understand the books that I read to be able to be a Green Beret soldier and stay competitive. All that was easy because it was very motivating. I wanted to become a Green Beret because I was passionate about it. And I sort of 
as a child, always envisioned this plan. So it's something that I've been working on for decades, frankly. What I didn't expect is that when I transitioned, I was not passionate about joining corporate America. I was not passionate about starting a LinkedIn profile or networking or understanding where I'm going to fit into this piece. It was not nearly as passionate of a project for me as it was to become a Green Beret. So what I figured out is that I've got to emulate this, this excitement, this passion, this drive that I had when I became a Green Beret. All of that motivation, I've got to emulate that right now when I transition or I'm not going to be successful with this. And that's when I, it, it took me a few months to figure that out. I had some growing pains. And finally, I was like, okay, you know, I did all these things when I wanted to be a Green Beret because I was motivated. I need to be getting up at 430 in the morning. I need to be doing all of the things to be a civilian as, at the same frequency and intensity as I did to become a Green Beret. And that's the only way this is going to work because this is more work for me transitioning than becoming a Green Beret because I'm not purely excited about it. There's not adrenaline and, and, and motivation and patriotism and years of stories from my grandparents and 9-11 and all of these events that transpired to make me excited. I didn't have that. So I had to turn it on deliberately. And I think that that is important when anybody's transitioning, that they understand that they have to work twice as hard. Yeah, man. A um, couple questions that I just have as a follow-up and one comment. Uh, I say a lot of times to folks that, you know, moving through your transition experience is a mission and you got to treat it that way. And I think that's a little bit of what I'm, I'm hearing from you. And when we say things like transition is a mission, it resonates for a military community. I think it still resonates for anyone outside the military. But I think that's what you're talking about when you use the word be deliberate with it. But I am curious, man. I've never heard it that way, i.e. I had to activate deliberately a passion. How the hell do you do that, man? I, I, well, I'm, I'm more and often find myself. I'm sorry. Let me just let me finish this thought, brother, before you get in there. I'm glad you're fired up. But, uh, you know, I, I would say it's more about figuring out what I'm passionate about. And that might be the same thing you're saying. So Zach, any, any further thoughts you want to share, man, with that question about how do you activate uh, that passion that you found that you didn't have to when you were training to be a Green Beret? So I think that there's two separate things we think about when we're transitioning professionally, at least for veterans that are going into corporate America. Um, not only do you need to figure out what you want to do and what you're passionate about next, but there's some best practices that you can get out and get, get ahead of early. And that's what it was that I needed to get motivated to do. I needed to understand and Google, how do I create a, a LinkedIn page? How do I get my resume the best perfect way? How do I start working on interview questions? How do I reach out to mentors? How do I find people to do informational interviews? How do I schedule things a few days, a few weeks, a few months in advance? How do I start doing this process as a project management example? And that's what I needed to wake up early to and, and to be motivated to do is start to actually provide results. Yeah. And that's, that's what I mean when I said I had to activate this passion because if you don't turn that switch on and overly perform on it, you're never going to get to the point where you figure out clarity-wise what you're passionate about doing as a job. So for me, it was all of the other things that sort of led up to that. It was getting into the understanding and the focus and the routine of being a civilian and not being a Green Beret, getting up, setting up professional systems, working on emails, understanding how to set up calendar invites, meeting out, reaching out to people on LinkedIn and asking about what they do and, and asking for informational interviews. I was doing that every day um, when I finally turned it on. You should be reaching out to individuals. And if you have a solid LinkedIn page that makes you look like a professional, it's actually fairly easy to do. And so, but it's a lot of work. I mean, I'm just saying it can be done, but it's, you got to put a lot of hours into it. And then 
it was clear that the business professionals of the world are creating stories and content on LinkedIn. So having a LinkedIn profile that you put 30 hours into that looks pretty is one thing, but you need to be out there. You need to be the guy that's telling the stories. You need to be the guy that's reaching out and putting himself out there so that people see them. Um, and so that's what I started doing. I started crafting stories and narratives based on my experiences, not only in the teams, but also in business. And when I started doing that, things went 10 X immediately. So to take this one step deeper and really some homework for individuals, if you're transitioning or if you're, if you're understanding kind of what I'm talking about here, uh, I would challenge you as well to go to my LinkedIn profile, look at some of the stories that I've crafted over the last year. As, and you can see sort of the, the evolution of when I was still on the teams and getting out to where I'm now as a businessman um, and take that narrative. doesn't matter if you're a Greenberry or not and put that into your industry and your background and your qualifications and some of your things so that you can start to get some messaging out there, which is automatically doing networking for you one-on-one. I love it, man. That's why we have this show, dude, because people come on here that are incredible and they offer up advice and they offer up their time to help others that are trying to do the same. So thank you so much for walking us through how you activated passion and milestones um, and very much a deliberate approach to your transition because I think it's incredibly helpful. I want to pivot now in this moment, man, and talk specifically about the work you're doing right now um, you know, with Elite Meet. So would you just share out with us what's the vision and mission of Elite Meet, how do you and your team serve others? And for anyone interested, man, how can we learn more about Elite Meet if it gets us fired up? You can take that in any direction you want to go, brother, but I want to talk about what you're doing right now. Would yeah, you mind? sure, Court. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So Elite Meet, uh, like you mentioned, it's a nonprofit organization that serves special operations veterans and, and also additionally fighter pilots. So anybody that falls under special operations is open to to apply any fighter pilots are open to apply and then beyond that we take about one percent of individuals that don't fall in um, under those specific branches or those specific jobs we take about one percent and what we do is we have elite talent from the military that's pivoting out in, in search of corporate america positions so if you're transitioning navy seal i think that most of the people um, we've got about 800 transitioning members right now. Most of our members fall between the Navy SEAL Green Beret populations uh, just because it's the biggest population. And then after that, it would be fighter pilots for certain. And if you're interested in going into corporate America, so if you're transitioning Green Beret and you want to go into the business avenue, not if you want to go be uh, you know, an overseas contractor, not if you want to go teach firearms or anything like that, but if you want to go into business, if you want to go into consulting, finance, tech, private equity, entrepreneur, anything like that, we have an access to a robust network of individuals that are constantly looking for top tier talent. And what we do is we connect the dots as a professional networking organization with our 800 members and a numbers of corporate America partners that are interested in hiring our specific individuals. And it's been a blast. It's been super fun. You know, sort of like finding your passion. That's something that I just dove into and not only did it keep me connected to my special operations community, but also served what I didn't know I was missing was the fact that I loved helping people. I think that one of the core missions of being a Green Beret was assisting individuals in a denied area that I love doing. And I'm finding that now that I didn't really see coming in the past. So, you know, we do that through a number of networking opportunities. We do four massive networking organization events per calendar year, typically about three days to bring in around 400 total employers and, and business executives, and then around 
50 or so transitioning veterans. We pay for everything, pay for them to show up, to eat, to fly, to stay. Um, and a ton of individuals get hired on the spot and then also connections are made. So it's, it's been a blast, obviously trying times right now due to the coronavirus and, and things like that. Um, but you know, we've, we've shifted to an almost exclusively digital platform in order to combat this. And I actually think that it's going to be for the best because we probably wouldn't have pivoted to digitally so quick. And now we have these robust features that we've implemented uh, just in the last few weeks that we'll be able to use in perpetuity in the future. Hey man, where can we learn more about it? That uh, sounds pretty incredible. And it is funny sometimes how a challenge will make you shift into a place where it might even be better off. So uh, yeah, yeah, man, how we yeah, find absolutely. Uh, so Elite Meet, we've got a, a, all social media aspects. EliteMeet.us is the website that you can get connected to. Um, Instagram, LinkedIn, again, um, I think you can kind of find us. We have a Facebook page that's not as, as proficient as our Instagram or our LinkedIn. EliteMeet.us is the website. Beautiful, man. I'll make sure I hang that uh, for folks. They can find you. And again, of course, I'm going to just encourage folks to reach direct out to you, which you may come back and say, hey, Court, what the hell are you doing? I'm too busy, but uh, <laughs> I'm no open to the door. <laughs> awesome. Um, hey, man, uh, I think I really got maybe two questions left for you before we wrap things up here together. Just real, real quick, man, I'd also love to learn a bit about Operators Association, if you don't mind sharing. What's that work all about? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I sort of found that when I opened myself up to social media, kind of like we discussed in, in my transition, what I found was that on LinkedIn, um, in crafting my narratives and my stories and some lessons and takeaways, I got the attention of Business America. And I, I was pivoting them to Elite Meet and it worked out very well. And I started doing the exact same thing on Instagram and I got a different audience. I got individuals that were really excited and really interested in going into special operations. And I was getting tons and tons of messages and questions about it. So I started sort of just kind of gearing some of the content on, on Instagram into helping these people. And eventually, as it sort of progressed, I continued to get questions and questions. And I, I talked to a friend of mine that's from the SEAL platoon. And uh, we decided to make a mentoring program to assist individuals that are thinking about getting into special ops or want more information. And it's been, it's been massive. We've got about 700 active members right now, private uh, online chat room community, podcasts, live streams, the whole thing. Um, and really what, what we're trying to do is when I joined the military, I had a million questions that I didn't really feel confident answering or getting answers from anybody that wasn't a Green Beret or wasn't in special ops. I know for a fact that recruiters kind of just do what they need to do. And I totally understand that. But I wanted to get some actual answers from a tangible Green Beret or a tangible Navy SEAL about what to expect month three of, of the Special Forces Q course, what can I do with my wife and my kids? Very, very like granular details that I wanted to understand before I just jumped into something. And the return on investment for mentoring individuals coming in is so incredibly profound for me. I love it. I cannot believe how much excitement and happiness I get from giving people a real understanding of what they're going to expect in the next few years. It's been a blast. It's been a lot of fun. So Operators Association, Dot com. Uh, we also have an Instagram page as well. You can check that out if anybody's interested. LinkedIn, we have a page, but don't go find that because it's not really being used. Yeah, man. Um, I'm sorry. I've dropped off on my end just for a moment, so I didn't hear you close out. But what I did hear from the Operators Association, what you're talking about is, hey, man, you're helping people. Hey, you're, in my opinion, you're helping the regiment um, because yeah. some of the things in the conversation you might be having might be exactly what someone needs to make that commitment that maybe they were on the fence in prior to. So uh, where can someone go, Brian, if you didn't cover it, uh, to learn more about 
you know, jumping in to be mentored. Yeah, you know, you said something. I'm going to bring this entire podcast full circle. I think what I found with Operators Association is an opportunity to do to the masses what my grandfather and my uncle did to me as a child. And that's tell you exactly how it is, be overly patriotic with what happened, and be excited about the new wave of operators, the new wave of people joining the military, and be able to create passion through true facts and real understanding of exactly what's going on. So operatorsassociation.com is our website. Definitely check that out. Instagram, Operators Association. Um, and that's pretty much the two places we're at besides our website, operatorsassociation.com. All right, man. Love it. Uh, last question, brother. W- what's next for Zach? Uh, let's see. I've got, you know, I don't know, to be honest with you. There's so <laughs> many things, you know, it's just, there's so many things going on right now that I'm trying to do. Um, actually with the VA, I've got some talks with the VA and I'm doing some marketing for them. Um, and some of the stuff that they're pushing out next week. Uh, there's been some talks. Individuals have been asking me to write a book. I'm probably not going to do that, to be honest with you. I think for now, I think the overall goal, this sort of short-term vision that I have is to expand Elite Meat um, into this digital infrastructure so that we can make it past the 2020s, essentially. And the same thing for Operators Association. Hey, beautiful, man. I ask that question a lot because I'm always curious. What I'm hearing from you is, hey, continue to excel in the stuff that I'm doing and where I'm committed and, and make you know, decisions on opportunities that are coming my way, uh, whether I do them or not. Who knows? So appreciate you being here today, man. Thank you so much. I want to close out the show uh, with what I close out with every guest, which is your invitation to put your signature rubber stamp on this episode, doing the high performance breakdown. And I know you can take instructions. And so let me just brief you up real quick on what that looks like. I'm going to say breakdown on three. I'm going to count the words one, two, three. When you hear me say three, partner, please give us three claps and then speak the words, boom, shakalaka, because it gets me excited. And then after you deliver that for us, you can say anything you want, although nothing's required, and that'll be a wrap on the show. Any questions, Zach? No, let's do it. I'm fired up. You're going to get me all amped up after this. <laughs> you know it, man. Hey, breaking us out here in High Performance Pathways, my friend, my brother in arms, Zach Hughes. Zach, break down on three, boss. One, two, three. Boom, shakalaka. Listen, Court, I appreciate all the help you've done. I love your podcast. I love your vision. I love your mission here as well as your vision as well. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it, brother. Absolutely, man. Hey, y'all, to connect with Zach, you can find him on LinkedIn. Like he said, his handle is Zach Hughes. That's spelled Z-A-C-H. Or explore those websites he mentioned, operatorsassociation.com and elitemeet.us. Hey, you know where you can find us? High Performance Pathways on any podcast server that you're using, Apple, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, or you can just go to my webpage, courtwomen.com. Hey, consider what Zach said, allow it to inspire you, and get out there and chase high performance in your life, everybody. Till next week, we'll see you.